Welcome back to Anxiety Slayer. I'm Shan Vanderleek here with my wonderful friend and co-host Ananga Sivir. And this month we're going to be speaking about how anxiety can often make our lives small and what you can do about it. And this week in particular, we're going to be speaking about how to stop fear of the future from shrinking the present moment. Hello, Ananga. Hey, Shan. It's good to be with you again for this conversation and really zeroing in on how anxiety can make us feel so much smaller than we really are. Yeah, it's such a constricting experience, isn't it, anxiety? It's almost like it takes all our air, all our energy, all our vision. It just floods in and takes everything and uh, can make our life feel very small, very fixated on the things that are are worrying us and really caught in that anxiety loop. And anticipating the worst is exhausting. And you and I have both been through that in our own experiences and watching people in our family do that. This anticipatory fear, this waiting for the other shoe to drop, robs us of the present moment like nothing else. It's very difficult because that kind of anxiety really gets an energy to it, a push to it, or it's quite hard to deal with it. And again, it floods in and takes over and it's like we're, we're stuck going over and over the worries in our mind and living out the scenario of our fears. And it feels kind of like a pre-trauma or pre-grieving is it's that we're anticipating something we dread, we're worried something might happen. And every time we do that, our body and our nervous system have to go through it as if it's happening now, which is why it's so awfully exhausting. And our sweet bodies deserve so much more than that. And thank goodness, there are all kinds of coping skills and ways to, to move through this. Because in the moment when we when we don't have any coping skills or we feel like we don't have any, we're just swimming in worry. And what we dread, even though it's not actually happening, we can't get to that place of being practical. We can't get to that place of grounding ourselves and centering and, and being back in the space of, okay, I've got this. I know what to do. I know that I can get support. I know that I can see what choices can be made to get whatever's going on resolved, to, to make a plan to move forward. Yeah. The thing that often happens when we're anticipating things coming up and we're fearful about, you know, what will happen? How will I cope? Even will I survive? What am I going to do? It's all too much. We have all these thoughts flooding our head and then they go straight into our body, make our heart race, make us short of breath and make us feel really fearful. But in reality, we see so many people when something does come up, if something does come up, they go to practicality, they make a plan, they get support, and you see all kinds of coping and courage and dealing with adversity comes forward, but it can't happen in the rehearsal in our mind. So we're seeing all the worst potential without any of the possible resources. Mm -hmm. And our mind and our body don't know the difference. They just respond to the information coming in. They don't know if it's real or not, but they're going to respond 
as if it is. So that's where we get really spiraling anxiety because it's just feeding in, it's putting petrol on the fire and it causes incredible suffering. And I've found too that the more sensitive you are, the more highly perceptual, the more aware, the more you really, really listen. Messages that come to you from a physician, let's say, or from a dentist or from a lawyer or from your boss, they can have this heaviness to them that they can really hook you. And you can take a sentence, a word, a suggestion, a flip comment, and it can turn into this tsunami of anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting to see how sometimes, you know, we feel that that's always going to be the case, but it isn't. It depends very much on our level of personal resilience and anxiety takes our resilience down when we're, when we're feeling anxious, we have lower resilience, but it's something we can work with. And comments like that can be diffused and supported in the moment. They might strike us, we get that jolt in our body where we hear something like that and we think, oh God, you know. But if we can just stop and take a breath and think, say it is, for example, something from a doctor or a dentist, and if we take that statement, what normally happens is it, it jolts into our body and then the anxiety fires off and that's it. We're just full of anxiety and it keeps swirling and swirling and takes all of our attention. But if we can stop and take a breath and think, why is that impacting me so heavily? Is it because I feel overwhelmed and I just don't want to have to deal with this? Is it just because I'm plain uncomfortable with any treatment options? What is it? It could be so many different things and it's very personal what it is. But if we can just take a breath and look at it and say, why is that impacting me so heavily? And then get support, whether it's talking to somebody, a professional, or whether it's using EFT tapping to learn how to diffuse those statements. And that's completely possible, that you can even tap for the statement that you've received from a physician or a dentist, for example. Even though they said this, you know, tapping on the side of your hand, even though they said this and it's made me feel completely terrified or totally anxious or whatever it is, your own words about it, I accept myself. Even just tapping for that, Tapping the statement through, they said this, they said that, and how do I feel about it? It starts to diffuse the anxiety. And that's something that's completely available to us, whether we learn to do it in a, in a course or we choose to work with a, a tapping coach or speak to a professional at better help. Whatever we choose to do, there are options available to us to diffuse those things when they come in and, and cause us that anxiety jolt. And when we do that, it often unlocks a whole area and brings a whole area of space. We've talked over the years about the worry tax. Do you want to, do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, that was me when I was young. I used to get so anxious. I and mean, this is like this pre-grieving and anticipatory anxiety. I used to get so worried uh, if my parents were out for an evening. I had a really... Uh, lovely uncle growing up who would babysit us. But often he'd be watching something on the TV that I found a bit scary. As I'm saying it to you now, I can see images in my head. I can remember a couple of films he watched. 
Um, one in particular was like a cruise ship disaster where there was this little girl trying to get to her mom and there was a hole in the floor of the ship and, you know, the water was coming in and those things would really scare me. Was that the Poseidon adventure? I don't know. Oh my gosh. That, <laughs> I'm just saying that as a youngster, that really messed with me as well. And I bet you it's the same movie. But anyway, continue. <laughs> okay. I have no idea. I just happened to come worrying down the stairs, worrying down the stairs, look over the banister, and that's what he was watching. And that freaked me out. So I would sit on the bottom of the stairs waiting for my parents to come home. And then I'd think they'd been in an accident or they'd been this or they'd be that. And I went over and over it to such a point of exhaustion in my head that it almost felt like I'd paid a tax. Oh, yeah. Like I'd already suffered so much that even if something did happen, it couldn't possibly be worse than that. Be as bad. Yeah. Yeah. But it's an it's a awful thing to put our body through. Some of us are more predisposed to others than having that pattern of thought. But again, we can work with it. Anxiety tends to make us think we can't. But we can, we can work with it. There are different ways of working with those thoughts to, to free us up and have a more comfortable response. And there's something so unusual too about the worry tax. I love that that's what you call it. But it's almost like, from my experience and opinion, that if I worry enough today, perhaps the horrible thing I'm worried about won't happen tomorrow. Yeah which is really twisted, but... Yeah, it's, it's like some kind of bargaining, isn't it? Yeah. Paying your tax in advance. Yeah, it's a common state of mind, I think. I suspect several people listening will be able to, to relate to it. I don't think it's such a rare thing. But it's an interesting thing to spot, and there are just these tendencies that our mind falls into. And... Again, with anxiety, we tend to feel flooded by it and we're just trying to push through and we're just trying to cope. But if we can take that courageous step to just take a breath and say, okay, this is how this is running. Where do I think it's coming from? And what can I do about it? Because we can, we can change it and it's definitely worth changing. After the break, we'll talk about how we can respond to anxiety by creating more space. The Anxiety Slayer podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well. But how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? Ananga and I regularly invest in our self-care with Ayurveda, tapping, journaling, breathing exercises, qigong, and even counseling when we need additional support. BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everyone else does and that therapy is a great way to make sure you show up for yourself. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. Anxiety Slayer listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash slayer. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com forward slash slayer. 
Before the break, we were talking about the personal worry tax and how so many of us do that. So many of us suffer way more than we need to in the face of something that's caused us great anxiety. And now we're going to talk about what we can do, how to respond and change up that energy to create more space. I think it starts with building resilience. There's a popular quote that says, when we're anxious about the future, we're carrying tomorrow's worries with today's strength. And that leaves us shortchanged for for what we need to carry for today. So we're always in this energy deficit and we're always exhausted. The first thing we can do to really help ourselves is to adjust our lifestyle. And it hasn't got to be a big, huge thing. It can be a very simple thing to bring in some simple practices that lower the energy of anxiety. This is where knowing a little bit about Ayurveda, India's ancient science of life, really helps. It's helped me enormously in overcoming anxiety. Understanding that what we watch, what we read, what we hear, who we talk to, Um, whether we're wrapped up warm, what our bedding's like, what we're eating, all these things in our lifestyle can support anxiety or they can increase anxiety. So really important to start with the basics and look at, am I nourished? Am I grounded? Am I keeping warm enough when I need to? Is my diet a nerve-nourishing diet? Is it a soothing diet? There's so much we can do just in our daily life and environment to make sure that we're protecting ourselves. And that takes that energy of anxiety down. It just calms that push in the mind. Being sweet with ourselves is the number one gift we can give to ourselves. And noticing what choices am I making today and how am I looking after myself today? Have I overextended myself? Have I said yes to too many things? Have I made things too small? Have I made my life too small in order to move through whatever it is that I'm facing? Being in the question of it all and being curious about what you're doing and where you're going and what choices you're making. And oh, gosh, you know what? Probably we'd be better if I had some warm tea in the morning versus a cold glass of water. I I realize how silly and simple that sounds, but it's those minor tweaks. Yeah. Noticing that, you know, I've been a little, I've been a little chilly these last couple of nights. Do I have another blanket? Uh, I'm sitting here right now with you having a conversation and I'm a little bit chilled. Now, that's partly because of my hormones (laughs) going from hot to cold, hot to cold. But I could be more comfortable right now if I put my hoodie back on. Can I be more comfortable in my chair? Can I be, and, and I'll go on and on and on, right? But when you're in that space of curiosity and looking at it, you can start to piece together what this very sweet, comfortable, vibrant life looks like for you, even when you're suffering, because you have that nest, you have those choices, you know where you can go to make yourself feel a little bit better than you did five minutes ago. Yeah. So it's really about reclaiming 
space. We're talking about anxiety making our life small, and we need to push back a little bit and reclaim some space instead of living on this anxious autopilot, which is what anxiety uh, provokes us to do, to just take that breather and make sure we've got the things in place that support us. Really simple things like you. I was a little cold here last night. When I went to go to bed last night, I noticed my room was fresh and I felt cold. So I went and made a hot water bottle. I knew I needed to go to bed warm and just curl up with that extra warmth. It's a small thing, but I know that the next morning my body will be more relaxed and less stiff. If I do that, my body needs warmth. And emotionally, when we're dealing with anxiety, warmth is the key word. That we need to be warm to ourselves. Anxiety doesn't respond well to abrasion from anyone. A lot of people that suffer with anxiety um, find conflict difficult. They find confrontation difficult. But what we really need to look at, if that's the case, is am I in conflict with myself? Am, am I being warm to myself? Am I being compassionate to myself? Or am I being abrasive? Am I pushing myself? So really to slow down, look with more compassion, and then just even to just take that one word, warmth, and make it like a keyword for the next couple of weeks and see what that brings you. Warmth in communication, warmth in our relationship to ourselves, in our bedding, in our meals. Mm -hmm. Warm, easy to digest, nutritional food at this time of year is really, really important. Just to take that keyword, warm baths. Uh, oil massage, a warm bath with maybe a tablespoon of some ginger powder and some Epsom salts, some, some magnesium flakes in the bath. That's that warm, nerve-nourishing bath just to do that. Even if we feel completely mentally overwhelmed, we can still go and spin the taps and put the good stuff in the bath and get in the bath. And if we don't want to be there with our mind, we can listen to something, listen to an audio book, or better still, a guided relaxation or some beautiful music and just support yourself in going offline in an immersive way for a few minutes. It makes a big difference if we can regularly bring those warm self-care acts into our day. I love that, thinking of warmth and remembering to be sweet with ourselves because Anxiety will bring up self-judgment so quickly. And the questions that come up aren't the ones that I was referring to earlier. It's, you know, why me? Why does this have to happen? Um, I, th I thought I'd be, I was beyond this. Uh, and, and, you know, the questions go on and on. Mm -hmm. But when you come back to, oh, sweetie, how can I best care for you right now? And I talk to myself all the time. I talk to myself and I, my, my mind, my body, I do. Might look like an absolute loon from the outside looking in, but usually I'm by myself when I'm doing it. <laughs> but it works because I want to have a healthy and warm connection with my body. I want to be able to help my mind relax by doing what I know to do. I had a doctor's appointment this week that I needed to go to and. I never enjoy them. I, my doctor is amazing, but I, I don't ever like going. I prefer not to go. That would be a wonderful thing if, if that were not something that was a part of what I had to do, right? But I knew how to care for myself before, during, and after. And 
that made all the difference. I mixed up some natural calm, <laughs> warmed it up, and had that to drink before I even got in the car. And I took a flask of tea with me, uh, made sure that I had plenty of time to, to get where I was going so there, there wasn't that the energy of the, the anxiety of running late or any of that. And then remembered that I chose this doctor and that I trust her and that I'm going to go in and do my thing and, and everything will be as it will be. And that's important too, that the choice that I keep coming back to. Whatever your choices are, whomever it is that you're interacting with, whether it be somebody in the medical field, whether it be somebody you work with, a family member, you have choice in how you relate, how you show up, and how you respond to what's in front of you. Yeah, always. And again, that, I think that's one of the first things to go with anxiety is remembering we have choice. We feel like this is how I am. We're completely caught up in our own suffering, understandably, because it is such an all-encompassing feeling. But to remember, we always have choice. Something that's helped me in the last few years when I've been navigating, having to deal with some new challenges in my life, is to remember that these things are the stuff of life, whether I like them or not. They're the stuff of life. Yeah. Uh, you know, from our tax returns to our <laughs> medical tests. To, right. To all of it is all the stuff of life. And we don't always like the stuff of life, but how can we navigate it as peacefully as possible? And one thing that really helps with that is once we've been through something that, that's challenging to us is to sit with ourselves and have a chat to ourselves. It's something I do as well. I'll kind of have a debrief. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. It might be very short or it might be that I'll need to sit for five minutes with a cup of tea and just really go over it. And I know if anxiety is up because my head will loop on it, I'll be trying to um, tell myself what I've done and, and kind of process it. Um, and it will go over and over. My head will just repeat the words. And then I know anxiety is up. So that's the time to tap. Or something else. If you've got something else that works for you, do that. But my personal example would be to just tap on the side of my hand and say something like, you know, even though this was really challenging for me, I've done this and I need to put the anxiety down now and I accept myself. And just keep tapping through the points until your body is settled with it, your mind is settled, and you can put it down and move on. I love that, putting it down. Mm -hmm. Truly, energetically, setting it aside. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. And that's a great thing to do every day before we go to bed. Yeah, I do that every night. Today I did this and I'm pleasing myself. Today I did this and it was challenging, but I've done the best I can with it. Today this was really rough and, you know, I think I might need support and tomorrow I'm going to look into getting some help. Whatever it is, just a nightly check-in. And again, tapping's great for that. Journaling's good. But even just sitting in bed and just tapping through your day so it's not going into your sleep and it's not going into your tomorrow saves us so much exhaustion. And it's very good just for managing general anxiety. It really does bring some clearing and some space. It pushes back on that constriction, that constraint that anxiety brings to our life. And then what are we going to do with that space? That's time and space for the things we love. Mm -hmm. Creativity, connection. Think of something you love to do, something that brings you peace, whether it's knitting or coloring or painting or gardening or cooking for somebody that 
that needs a hand. What do you love to do? And use the space you've reclaimed to do that, which is further calming to anxiety. That's a real win-win thing to do. Mm-hmm. Thank you for a really supportive conversation. I'm, I'm glad that we're digging into how anxiety can make our lives small and what we can do about it. If you love our podcast, you're invited to support us by becoming an Anxiety Slayer patron. When you choose to become a patron, you get a deeper dive into some of the topics we cover, as well as over 100 downloads, including all of our popular guided relaxations, just for supporting our podcast. Learn more at patreon.com forward slash anxiety slayer.